Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So this morning, um, I'm starting something new. It's only going to be three weeks as we run into Easter. But before I'm going to tell you the topic and what we're going to run into, I want to share with you um, a quite well-known quote. It says, success is to be measured not so much by the position that we have reached in life, but by the obstacles which we have overcome while trying to succeed. Quite amazing quote, isn't it? We need to overcome obstacles in our lives every day, and that's how we position ourselves for success. And it's a, qual- it's, it's a worldly quote, it's not a godly quote, but it's a good quote. And I was thinking about it, and I realized that sometimes by taking two steps forward, and then maybe one step back every now and then, have you ever had that? You take two, three steps forward, and then there's a step back, and you feel like a failure. But sometimes taking two steps forward and one step back, we still move closer to God and to His plan and to His purpose for our lives. No matter if you move forward or back, yes, the kingdom advanced, but there is some moments in our lives where we feel, man, I failed. I took a step back, but there's always advancement in God. There's always something that we grow in as believers. We end up with so much more as we see how God does as we just move forward and don't go and sit down when that one step back happens. I remember I was involved in rugby as a sports psychologist for many years and um, with Varsity Cup, Curry Cup, and then a little bit with um, Super Rugby. And it was amazing how I saw this one thing. There was always one or two or three players who had to change their position for them to be, to be able to be selected. Ever heard that? Maybe you've been in sport and you realize that maybe I have to change my position to, to make sure I'm selected because I realize that the players in that position is not that good. So if I change my position, I might be able to be selected. And the great thing is, as they moved their position, they became better players in that position, the new position, as they shifted. And they became more successful than they have been or they thought they would be, just by moving and shifting the place they were at. Now, in December 2019, and we planted this church in, in, in May 2019, so we are almost four years old. We're moving towards four years. And, but in tw- December 2019, God spoke to me, and he gave me a prophetic word for the year 2020. And the, year, and the word was to position yourself. That was the word, because I sense that God is leading the church into an awakening. There's going to be something that will awaken the church. Little did I know that in two, three months from that, we will be in a national worldwide pandemic. And rightly so that God says, position yourself for what's coming. I thought God says, position yourself for the awakening, but God certainly started to awaken something in our hearts. He definitely did. Now, I sense... There was an awakening, there was a pandemic, and man, we all had to live through it. We had to live through the pain, we had to live through the pain of losing friends, family. Maybe you had to live through the pain of losing businesses, jobs. We all had to live through that, which was not easy. It was a tough time, and, and, and I think we're still dealing with, with some of it. And we're still recovering with some of it. And, and I think the community and the, the world is Finally, this year, I, I felt like, man, things are getting back to normal, like real normal, normal. Times, r- rhythms, 
everything is busy again. Now this week I was listening to a prophetic word again um, of a prophet who had a, had a word, a global prophecy for um, not just a church but for the global church and as a whole. And, and the, 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 the prophecy was focused on the revival that we started seeing worldwide. Ashbury, there's certain universities in Brazil and other universities in America. We started seeing the revival happening all over with young people all over the world. And I heard God said, He said the following, and I remember the word that God has spoken to me in 2019 about position yourself for the awakening. And I heard God say that again. He said, Henny, it's not, you, you not just need to position, but to reposition yourself. And make sure you are positioned for what God is busy doing. And I started praying and thinking about this, Lord, how do I reposition, how do we reposition ourselves? I mean, I thought I was positioned, but now you say reposition. What does it actually mean? How do I reposition myself? And why do I want to reposition myself? And as I thought about this, I, I, God reminded me of our church values. And our church values that you see some of the white banners here in, in church. And, and, and God said to me, Any, you have planted KLC Stellenbosch on certain values and you are moving in sync for what I'm busy doing, where the world is going. And I thought, for me, it was quite encouraging. And I really felt that we as a church are in sync for what God's going to do in the next five years. And for those of you who don't know our values, I quickly want to go through it. Quickly just want to show you, for those of you who haven't been in our church for a while, and for those of you who have been here for a long time, that's fine. It's always good to see our values quickly. So I want to show you quickly. Our value comes from, in, in, in early 20, 2019, I sat and I prayed and said, Lord, I, we can't plant a church without word. We need a word. We need scripture. And God gave us the scripture from John 1 verse 4 to 5 that says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shine in the darkness, shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So from the scripture, God gave us three values. And the values was life, light, and ignite. So let's go through it quickly. I'm just going to give you the quick crash course of what it is all about. Life is, we believe that God gave us life to activate our God-given identity and authority to impact society. That's all we want to do. And you see that through sermons that we preach. Volcano, what? We want to impact society. There's something inside of you, and it's a life that God has given us. And then God gave us life to bring transformation based on His grace and love for others. Not on, not on anything else. His grace and His love, and that, and that brings transformation. Then light, um, God shines His light. It, it is to empower the saints to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ and to take risk to reach the world around us. You ever know that we need to take risks sometimes to tell someone about God? We need to take risks to sometimes step out and say, man, God loves you. Do you know Him? And that's why we're talking, but that's why we say to take risks to reach the world around us. And then to build a compassion culture that touches the town, our nation, and the world. And it all comes from the, from the story that Jesus touched the leper. And when he touched the leper, he changed the community. And that's why we feel that that's how God shines his light through us. And then to ignite, to ignite change in the atmosphere of Salamos through worship. That's why worship is such an important part of us as a church and what we believe that worship changed lives, and, but not just lives, it changes the atmosphere of things. Uh, have you ever been down and depressed and, and you switch worship music on? It changes the atmosphere. 
and then to equip others to grow in their relationship with God, and then to disciple others and to minister as we grow. Isn't that powerful? It's an awesome, awesome, awesome way to, to grow and to say, Lord, we want to have your life in our lives. We want to shine our light. And we want to ignite. You know, God called us as a church to bring life into every situation we step into. He called you and me, not even the church, but us as individuals to, to bring life. And to bring life in every situation we're in, at your work, at your, wherever you go. But then he wants to switch on the God light in you and in me so that we can switch on lights around us. When your light shines, it has an effect on darkness. And everything that's in darkness comes to the light. And that's what we believe. But then also not just to have life and to, to shine our light, but then to ignite a passion for Jesus in others. I want to ignite. My, I want my life to ignite people with a passion for Jesus. To show them God is not a religious God. He's a God who loves us. He's a God who loves us no matter what you step through in your life. He loves us and that's why He gave us grace. And if that thing ignites in your life, man, it's like a chain reaction. It ignites everything. It's like striking a match and throwing it into a box with matches. Guess what's going to happen? There's going to be ignition. <laughs> and that's what we trust that God has called us as a church and as an in individuals to do. Now, I believe that we are on the forefront. We, the world, the church, are in the forefront of a worldwide revival. I can feel it. I can sense it. I can see it. If you look at social media, which is, is amazing. We've got social media nowadays. We can see it happens, that there is a worldwide revival brewing and happening and start rolling. And the question is, how do we respond? How do we respond and how do we reposition ourselves to receive? I don't know about you. If a rival comes to this town, I don't want to be bone dry when it goes or when it moves down. When the river starts flowing, I want to jump in. I don't want to put my toe in. I want to jump in. How do we respond and how do we reposition ourselves? So today we're starting with a series, three weeks. I'm going to just call it reposition. And we're going to look at the three values that God has given us. Light, life, light, and ignite. And how does the three values position us as a church to, to receive and to respond to the revival that God is busy doing? And today I want to look at the first value, life. If you look at the first phrase of our scripture that God has given us, it starts out with this. In Him was life. And if you pause and, and it's a sealer moment, pause and think. If you think of that, in Him, who is he talking about? In God was life. In God. And I love that scripture. If you, if, if you think God is the origin of life. He's the origin of life. You see, Paul said the following in Acts 17. He said, Paul, for in him we live and move and have our being. Powerful scripture. Look what Jesus said in John 5 verse 26. He says, the Father has life in himself and he has granted the same life-giving power to his Son. So life was not just the ori God's origin of life, but he also gave Jesus the authority to carry and give life. And look what John said about Jesus. He said, and this is what God has testified. 
He has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. You see, when Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, God gave Him the power. He gave Him the authority. He gave Him the life to break us free from sin. So it's not just God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are the origin of life. And when you look at Jesus and what He has done for us and what He has set us free from, what He has ignited on that cross, it is life. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a hunger growing in the hearts of people. If you go and make it, do, do a test. In every conversation you have in the next month, speak about a bit of revival. See what's happened in Ashbury or what's happening in church. And wow, man. If you start speaking about God, you will sense that there's a hunger growing. There's a hunger growing in God's people for an outpouring. I don't know about you, but if I ask you, who wants an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? All of our hands will be up because we want more about God. That's part of our DNA in who we are. But there's a hunger growing for an outpouring. Now the amazing thing is that if you look at the context of life in Scriptures... The word that they use the most to describe life or eternal life is the word water. Water. That's what the Bible used to describe life. Now, if you look at water and you go to the scripture in John 4, and if you've seen the chosen powerful, powerful episode, but Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, let's read it quickly together. It says, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and you would know, uh, sorry, and I would give you living water. And then the woman said, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors, ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy then Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Beautiful scripture. Beautiful moment in scripture. And if you look at the context of that story of how the Samaritans and Jesus, I can't go into that today because it's a beautiful context of how Jesus stepped out and took a risk, speaking to a Samaritan lady who hates the Jews and changed her life, but not just her life, a whole town's life. See, I love it how Jesus used the example of water to describe this ultimate gift. The ultimate gift of creation is life. The life that God gave, the life that Jesus gave. And if you look at, at, at water as a physical resource, it is an incredible precious element for us as humans. Water. We all know it. Now, water, apart from the air we breathe, is probably one of the most important things we need as a human. Most important. If you look at how we were created, you see that 60% of us consist of water. But our brain and our heart are com composed of 73% of water. Our lungs are about 83% water. Our skin contains 64% water. 
our muscles and our kidneys, 79%. And even our bones are surrounded by a layer of 31% water. It's incredible. It's so much between 60 and 75% of our bodies, depending on how hydrated you are, contains water. Now, our bodies cannot be without water for more than 100 hours. And if you go without water for 100 hours, you will die physically. I know people have fasted from food and water, and I've seen that for more than two weeks, and that's a supernatural thing that happens. But if we go without water, you have problems. But what's fascinating about the function of water in uh, in our bodies is this, and probably the doctors don't crucify me if I'm wrong, but, but one big reason we have water in our bodies is that it helps to give our cells in our body structure. And if your cells do not have structure, it is fatal that your cell structure in your body will fail and then you will die. So water is the catalyst to give structure to every cell in your body that gives life. Isn't that amazing how powerful water is? And here comes God and He takes the Word and He connects life to water. And that physically water actually gives life to us. Life to us. Well, not just life physically, also spiritually. I realize how, just how important water is for our bodies. It is just as important for our spirit. Now without God's spirit, we cannot live spiritually. We cannot. Because His spirit and His presence is life, as the word says. It is life. And that's what we speak life over someone. We say, Lord, may your spirit in your life come and touch their spirit. And their body, because when his life comes, it touches your not touches your not natural body as well. Sometimes we need to reposition ourselves to make sure we receive more of the water of the spirit. I don't know about you. Sometimes I have to reposition myself. That means that go to my inner room, close the door, switch on worship music. I need to reposition myself away from the busyness of life and to get more of the water of his spirit. To go in my car and shut the doors, shut down the radio and start praying, reposition myself to get more of the water of His Spirit. Now let me explain this water of His Spirit by looking at the Israelites in the desert. They just exited Egypt with ten mighty, mighty, amazing miracles. God exited and they came to the Red Sea the Red Sea opened, incredible water again. They went through, Egyptian guys came, God nullified the Egyptian army. In one moment, he, he destroyed the mightiest nation in the world because he loved the Israelites. He loved his nation. So let's read on, and then I'm reading from Exodus 15, verse 22 to 25, and I'm going to explain to you as we go from there. So Exodus 15 says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Sur, and they went three days into the wilderness. How long, how long can you go without water? About 100 hours, about five days. So they went for three days, over two million people. And they were in the wilderness and they did not find water. Now when they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara for they were bitter. Therefore the, name, therefore the name of it was called Mara. And the people complained against Moses saying, What shall we drink? 
Good question. So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the water, the water were made sweet. Now, I don't know how many of you have been in a desert before. And if you, they drop you off in the middle of the Sahara Desert, you don't know where's left or right, front or center, and you don't have any water, it's almost like a death sentence. You're not going to make it. Because you don't know where you're going to... And, and, and they say 95%, if they drop you in the middle of the desert, you will walk in circles without knowing it. But if you're in the desert alone, it is a death sentence because we need water to stay alive. We need that. So people were panicking, and they came to Moses. And they said, Moses, the only water we can find is bitter. Who's going to drink that water? I don't want to drink bitter water. I don't know about you. It is not fun. It's like drinking seawater and thinking you're going to, I mean, it's a problem. And, um, and they came to Moses with a legit issue. And the water was bitter, but there was no life in that water. There was no life in that water. If you drink water that's not healthy for us, it's almost in a spirit drinking water that is not healthy for your spirit. So God through Moses did a miracle and did he, he did what? He threw a tree and some scriptures, some translations says he threw a big piece of wood in the water and immediately the water became sweet. That's amazing how fear and panic so many times can keep us from hearing in the spirit. Ever been there? When, you've, when you strike panic and you strike fear and you realize that, man, I'm in trouble. How am I going to make this, Lord? How am I going to make my finances at the end of the month? How am I going to bring my kids? How am I going to pay this? How am I going to do this? You strike fear and panic because of stuff in our lives, and you struggle to hear God's voice. You struggle to tap into the water of the Spirit because of fear and panic. Why? Because I'll figure it out on my own. I'll make a plan. Don't worry. Every husband tells his wife, I'll make a plan. Don't worry. We need to be on our knees and say, Lord, you've got the plan. You're already busy doing a miracle. Now, a few days later, about a few uh, scriptures on, verse 27, they moved again. And then they came to Elam, and there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Very prophetic numbers. 12 well, wells was a prophetic sign of the 12 tribes of Israel. And God just do everything so intentionally. You see, every time they moved, there was provision of life. And every time they moved, they moved because of God's command. But then they came to two chapters on, and they started journeying through the desert, and they came to Exodus 17. And again, the same thing happened. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved I'm so happy that they left the, left the wilderness of sin. I don't want to be there anyway. So they left the wilderness of sin and they moved from a place to place. Eventually they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water there for the people to drink again. So once more the people complained to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, the one you used when you struck the water of the Red Sea, water again, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. Because God believed in agreement. And then he says, I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai, 
Strike the rock and the water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and the water gushed out as the elders looked on. Now I love this story because when we look at this story, when we look at the rock, what is significant about a rock? It's amazing. A rock shows the unchanging nature of God. He never changes. He's always the same. On the other hand, we saw the changing nature of Israel. Now they worship, now they complain. Now they go through this, now they... And, and all of us are guilty of that. Lord, you've supplied all my need tomorrow. Lord, where are you when I need you? You see, a rock showed the faithfulness of God in contrast of the unstable life of Israel. How many times in our great need we later realize God already made a way before I knew I'm going to have an issue. Before the crisis come, God already opened the door. Now both of these moments were where the Israelites had no water and they, they complained because of it. God, through, the, through this miracle, gave a prophetic sign and this prophetic sign pointed to Jesus. Two ways. God is an intentional God. He do things prophetically because He's pointing everything to His Son. Now let me show you. The first miracle, Moses did what? God showed him a tree. He took the tree, he threw it into the water, and it became sweet. Twelve generations later, Jesus hung on a tree. That's what some of the scripture says. He hung on a tree. And in that moment when he hung on a tree, he broke the thirst of God's presence for all humanity. In that moment when Jesus died on a cross... The veil tore in half. It was about 27 centimeter thick curtain. Tore in half. No human being could tore that thing. And he tore it because God wanted the thirsty humankind to not thirst anymore. Because he wants his presence in our lives. He created us to receive his presence, to get the water for our spirit. When they came to the rock and, and, and they came to life and they came to water, it flowed, water flowed from the rock. And it was a sign of Christ being the rock of our salvation. Psalm 61. The rock of our salvation. Now look what Paul wrote in Corinthians, and this is incredible. He says, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 4. He says, All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and the rock was Christ. Now, a lot of historians say that the rock actually followed the Israelites <laughs> through the deserts. And it might be true, but there's no physical evidence that it happened. But because it says that the rock was Christ, that it means that his spirit, he is, his life moved with them constantly through the desert. No matter if you're in a dry patch in your life or where you go, God is unchanging. He's faithful to the end and His Spirit moves with us. Every step of the way, you're moving through the desert moment. Maybe you've gone through a desert moment in your life and you're just wandering in a desert. Lord, when, is you, when are you going to speak to me? When are you going to supply my need? But God's presence are with us. He's moving with life and with His water of the Spirit moving with us every step of the way. Everything points to Christ. Everything points to the life-giving Father who gave us everything. You see, as believers, we constantly need the water of God's Spirit. 
I don't know about you. I need that. I need worship moments. I need the water of His Spirit. I need His presence in my life. You need it. See, we need His life to flow through us every day. That's why we need to do devotional. That's why we need to read our Bible, pray. And, and we're not religious about it. But we know it's a need as we need water, we need the Word. As we need food, we need God's presence. But if you go and read through all the revivals in the last hundred years, there is one thing that they all have in common. One thing. And the thing is that they all sparked something incredible. There was an ignition of God's heart, His presence, of, of encountering Him. But there was this thing. None of them lasted. It was for a few months, few weeks, even for a half a year. Even some of them were for a year. But they didn't last. It went back. It's almost like the tide's rising and then the tide goes back to normal. None of them lasted. And therefore, I believe that, that God is repositioning us for this next coming revival. I, I really believe it. That we can see it's like a wave coming. Are we ready? Are we positioning ourselves for the more of God? I don't know about you. I, I want to. I want to position myself. I want to reposition myself. Some of us are so stuck in COVID and what we had to manage and everything, we were positioned, but now we need to reposition ourselves and say, okay, Lord, we're done. It's over. How do I position, reposition myself for what you want to do in my life, what you want to do in my children's lives, what you want to do in this, this town, what you want to do in our church? How do we reposition ourselves? You see, when the trickle becomes a river, we all want to jump into the river. See, Scripture says when God's presence goes from a trickle to a river, where people get saved right, left, and center, when His presence moves through our lives, we want to jump into the river. I don't know about you. Of course we want to. We want to jump in and we want to stay there. Lord, I want to stay in Your presence. But what happens if the river goes from a river back again to a trickle? And when the trickle becomes a river, but, but, but for God's life to constantly flow through us and through others, other lives close to us, we need to jump into the river, but then we need to build reservoirs. And I really feel that God is speaking to us about that. That's how we build life into our generation. We need to build a reservoir. Now, what is a reservoir really? I don't know if you've went and Googled it. What is the purpose of a, of a reservoir? See, reservoirs collect water during times of high rainfall. When the trickle goes to a massive river, they build a reservoir to catch that and then to release the water slowly in the following weeks and months and years. So when God starts and He flows through us, like the Scripture says, rivers of living water will flow through you, I want to build a reservoir so that I can contain more of God in my life, so that I can give more in my life. You see, reservoirs also is designed to store the rain that falls during the wetter parts of the year. And then there is a continuous supply of water in drier periods. See, we need more reservoirs. We need containers of God's presence that we can take and give to people. And that's what I believe God has called us as a church to, to gather and to build a reservoir for people to come and receive more 
of God's presence. I believe that this church and every believer has to reposition, we need to reposition ourselves to be reservoirs for others. To build a reservoir in this town for people that dearly need more that is in a dry patch in their lives. You see, I trust God for a constant flow of His Spirit into our lives. But not just into our lives, but also out from our lives into the community we surround ourselves with. We sat at, um, at Rodney Howard Brown the other day and, and I saw how a thousand people again got saved out of a crowd of 3,000. A thousand people on a Friday morning at 10. I thought it was just people in ministry. No, no. A thousand people raced to the front. And in that moment, God started filling them up. And I could see how God is building reservoirs all over. That's why we need to meet together on a weekly basis. We need to do cell group. We need to do this. We need to gather together. We need to fellowship together where we can build a reservoir of God's presence so I can be touched. And when I am touched by God, my life touches others around me. I always say we need an encounter so that I can be an encounter for others. You can only be an encounter for others if you build a reservoir in your life. You see, we cannot sit around being depressed or discouraged. We cannot wait for the river to start flowing. We need to dive into the reservoir that is constant, that is always there. And that's what I feel that God is taking us. That's why I feel that when our value is life, that means that life is a reservoir of water where we can give more every day. We can go to people that are going through dry patches in their lives that says, let me give some of the reservoir containing God's presence. More of Him. That is, a, that, is a, that is a need that we have to have in our hearts that says, Lord, in this season, as we're rolling on to a place where we can see, we can feel, we can sense that revival is coming, that am I ready? Am I repositioning myself? You reposition yourself by building a reservoir in your life. And as every one of us building reservoirs in our lives, our church and our community, later on our town, every church becomes a reservoir for South Africa. And later South Africa becomes a reservoir for the world. It's already happening. South Africa is the, almost the number one nation in terms of size, can't compare to America, but the number one nation sending missionaries to the world. And it's been for a long time. We are the reservoir, not only for Africa, but for the world. Are you ready? Are you ready to build reservoirs in your life? To take the word and say, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up with more. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, what a privilege it is to, to know you, to know who you are, to know that wherever we go, Lord, you are there with us, that your presence never leaves us, that your presence is always the same. And Lord, that you are always, always so involved in our lives. Lord, I pray that, that you will stir a hunger inside of us to reposition ourselves, to always position ourselves, Lord, from a place of, of receiving to a place of receiving more so that we can give more. Lord, I pray this morning for everyone here. I pray that, 
that you will make us a reservoir, Father. That you will make us a reservoir of your presence. No matter what we have in our past or what we feel condemned about, Lord, that you've paid for it all already. And we will step up in grace and say, Father, you empower me with a purpose to touch the people around me. And maybe it's just touching my child and changing a generation. So Lord, will you come and touch us this morning? Touch us with more of your presence, with more of who you are. Lord, give us a passion and a hunger, Lord, to say and to do and, and to, to bring your good news to others. Lord, thank you. We don't have to stand on a street corner, but we can go to our neighbor. We can speak to our family members. We can disciple our children. Lord, I pray that you give us the boldness in this, in this, in this, this new season, Lord, of, of we can sense and see how revival is coming. And Lord, we call it in. And may revival start in our hearts, as the word says, it's from within us the water will flow. Fill our reservoirs up, Lord, so we can touch this town, we can touch this nation. And Lord, we can bring a difference, not because... We want big churches. We want to make nice videos. No, no, Lord, we want to touch people. We want to change a generation, change a community with the love of Jesus. So, Lord, bring your life. Lord, help us to shine our light. And, Lord, we trust you to ignite something new in this town. We pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.